Well, again, Elisha is this guy who has ridiculous faith. He believes and he trusts in God, and God just seems to keep showing up in his life in these ridiculous, crazy, miraculous ways. And so we've kind of been asking ourselves the question, like, how could I be more like Elisha? How could I increase my faith in God? Is it possible that I could do things that would make it easier for me to see God at work in my life? So we've talked about the obedience that Elisha's life has, that he was willing to, to lose everything to follow the calling of God on his life. And he was committed to it. Even when he had opportunities to get away from this calling, he stuck with it. He loved people, even people who it didn't make sense to love. And he trusted God. His story last week taught us that we need to look to God, not just to human strength and the powers of this world. And that God often wants us to participate in the miracle that he wants to do in our lives. He calls us to believe him for big things, but to start small, digging the ditch, if you will. That sometimes God wants to provide the water, but we have to dig the ditch. He wants us to be involved in what he's doing. This week, we're going to see how Elisha's story teaches us about God's ridiculous provision when we choose to trust him. If you have a Bible, whether it's a paper Bible or a digital Bible, I'd invite you to get it out and lift it up nice and high this morning and say, I got my Bible, PJ. I'm so glad you do. If you would turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, we're going to be there in just a moment. 2 Kings chapter 4. I hope that the message this morning speaks to some of you that I feel like may come in feeling a little bit overwhelmed. And whether you come in feeling that way this morning or not, most of us are familiar with that feeling. We've had moments in life, or maybe we are soon to have those moments in life, where everything feels like it comes crashing down at one time. For some of us, maybe you feel a little bit like this. Uh, the caption says, overwhelmed. Sure, I can handle the load. No problem. <laughs> and some of us, this has been our life's journey for the last little bit. We keep adding things to life. And sure, I can handle that. I can handle that. And all of a sudden, like the donkey, we're up in the air going, hmm, this got out of control real fast. Or maybe you feel like this one uh, I try to take just one day at a time, but lately several days have attacked me all at once. <laughs> 20th century self-portrait artist Frida Kahlo once, to paraphrase her, said, I tried to drown my troubles, but those jerks learned how to swim. <laughs> maybe some of you come this morning and you feel overwhelmed, or maybe you know somebody who is. And maybe like Frida Kahlo, you've looked for a way out or a release from the weight that you're under, but it hasn't proven helpful. And in fact, maybe it's even made things worse. My hope is that this story from the life of Elisha can be a blessing to you today. Again, we're in 2 Kings chapter 4. Starting at verse 1, it says this. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. 
Elisha said, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all of the jars. And as each jar is filled, put it to one side. So she left Elisha and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all of the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there isn't a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told Elisha, the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil that you have and pay for your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. A miraculous, crazy story of God's provision in the midst of this woman's life when everything was overwhelming and crashing down on her at one moment. And I think there are several tidbits that maybe we can pull out of this that would give us some advice from God's word about how we can continue to have faith in God's provision in these moments when life feels overwhelming. And the first thing is to keep trusting. Keep trusting in the Lord, even in those moments when everything feels overwhelming. For this woman, her husband is dead. He was the one who provided for her. In that culture, in that day, her husband worked and he provided for her. And now he is dead and gone and she would have the immediate worry, what am I going to do? Except he's left me sons. Oh yeah, he also had some debts. And now the creditors that he owed those debts to, they're taking the sons. What do I do in this moment? This woman had done things right to this moment. You look at verse 1, and she says, Her husband has revered the Lord. When she takes stock of her life, she realizes what I have done is I have been a part of a family that has tried to honor and be faithful to God. Sometimes we have a temptation when we feel overwhelmed, when things are pouring down on us, when things seem really difficult, and the temptation is to feel like God is punishing me in this moment. The things that I'm going through are are God is somehow unhappy with me in this moment. This woman comes to Elisha. And it's her moment of faith to continue to trust through God's prophet that God is still involved in her life. And she says, I know that my husband revered the Lord. Elisha, you know that my husband was a prophet who revered God. Our family has done what we could to serve you. This is not God's punishment, but I don't know what to do in this moment. And so she starts by crying out to God through the prophet Elisha. What an excellent place to start when we find ourselves overwhelmed, burdened with life, when we're looking at everything in our situation and feeling like there's nothing there. She starts with trust by drawing near to God and crying out to him. Our God is stronger than anything that we face. And even when it feels like literally everything is going wrong, God is still bigger. Last week, we said that your greatest need can become a blessing when it draws you to depend on God. This week, maybe we would say it this way. When you don't have what you really want, God is what you really need. 
and you don't have the thing that you really wish you had, the thing that you really want, God wants to remind you that he is what you really need. I don't believe that God causes painful situations in our life. God created a perfect world in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and we were in perfect relationship and connection with God, but there was a little problem that happened called the fall. It was the result of sin. And the world that we live in, the pain that we experience, was never God's design, plan, or purpose for your life. This woman was not being cursed by God, but she was experiencing death as a result of the fall. God doesn't cause your pain, but he wants to use your pain as a way of drawing you closer to him. We often seek after things that we want, things that are, in our minds, good things. And sometimes God is trying to remind us of what is best. As a young child, I remember going to my grandmother's house, my maternal grandmother. And underneath the microwave, she had one of those large drawers that you could pull out. And my grandmother constantly stocked that with Little Debbie's. And I love Little Debbie's, like the whole gamut. I love nutty bars, Swiss cake rolls, oatmeal cream pies, zebra cakes. And she had the smorgasbord there underneath the microwave uh, in her house in the drawer. And often we would go into her house and we would pull out the drawer and we would pick and rummage for our favorite of the day. But I had this person in my life who was the person who sometimes is the killjoy in your life named Mom, right? And if it is 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon as a kid and your tummy goes nutty bars and you are gravitating towards the drawer and you grab out the nutty bar and mom sees you, mom has this phrase that is like the nail in the coffin for kids, right? You want the nutty bar and she says, you can't have the nutty bar. You'll spoil your dinner. Ugh! Right? And so you put the nutty bar away, and in reality, mom's probably right. And what mom is trying to say to us is you need to stay hungry. The nutty bar may taste good. It may be what you want, but there's no nutritional value in it. There's a meal that is coming. And maybe there's some protein and some vitamins and some minerals. There's something that actually can like help your body be stronger and grow. You want the nutty bar, but you need dinner. And so I'm not going to let you have what you want because I need you to stay hungry. And I wonder if sometimes in our lives we want things. We desire them. And in our minds, they're good. And God says, no. Or wait, because what he wants to do is keep us hungry. He wants to keep us searching and looking. Because when we don't have what we really want, what we really need is him. And he wants us to stay in that place where our hunger and our appetite is up. And we continue to look for what he can do in our lives. This widow trusts in the Lord. She turns to his prophet, Elisha. And cries out to him. And Elisha asks this widow a question in verse 2. He says, what do you have? What do you have in your home? And her immediate response is probably the response we would have. She says, I don't have anything in my home. It's so easy for us to focus on what we don't have. 
on the thing that we want, on the thing that's missing, on the thing that is broken and leaves us feeling empty. And to feel like I don't have anything at all. Sometimes, and I would say often, God's provision makes use of what we already have. What do you do when you don't have much? You stop waiting for what you want, and you start working with what you have. Too many of us in our faith journey are crippled from what God wants to do. Because when God comes to us, if he was to say, what do you have? We would say, I don't have anything. I'm overwhelmed. I'm the donkey in the sky. God, I don't have anything to give you. I'm broken and I'm empty. And God wants you to stop waiting for what you want and to start working with what you have. He's already given you everything you need to get started on the journey of faith that he has uniquely for you. To the widow, he says, what do you have in your house? I just have one small jar of olive oil. God says, that's good. I can use that. Some of you remember the story of Moses from earlier in the Old Testament. God called Moses to deliver God's people from slavery in Egypt, to go up against the most powerful man in the entire world, Pharaoh, and say, let your slaves go free. He tells Moses, Moses feels completely insecure. He says, Moses, what do you have in your hand? Moses says, I got a staff. God says, good. I can use that. God can use anything if we entrust it to him. He's able to see what we can't. He's able to look at something and to see the potential that exists in your life. And so he will ask you in those moments when you feel empty and you feel overwhelmed, what is it that you have? Because we're going to start with the thing that you have because I can see in you potential. I created you in my image. I have given you what you need to get started on what I'm going to do in and through your life. Our family at times, especially when we used to have cable years ago, Enjoyed watching some of the home renovation shows on HGTV. I remember we really liked a show when it first came out uh, in its first season called Flip or Flop. And one of the things that was neat was to watch how this family would find homes that I would look at and go, I don't look very good. And they would look at this home and they would see all of this potential and say, oh, we can knock down that wall and we can clean that up and we can have the mold taken out and remove that floor. And they would bring all this stuff in and they would completely transform a home from what looked like a worthless building ready to be condemned into a beautiful home that somebody was excited to buy. God can look at your life and he can see the potential. He says, what do you have? I want you to entrust what you have to me because I see how I've created your life. I know what I've already provided. And even if you feel like you don't have much, you can get started with what you do have. Because God can do a lot with a little. God could do so much with this widow. With one small jar of olive oil, God can multiply and it can be poured out time and again into different jars to completely fill them to the brim. Elisha's name means God is salvation. And in so many ways, he foreshadows another man whose name would say God is salvation named Jesus. 
And Jesus would stand on a hillside with thousands of people gathered around him, hungry, and he would have compassion upon them. Everybody was starving, and the disciples said, what are we going to do, Jesus? He said, what do you have? We don't have anything. There's one little boy here who brought lunch. He's got a couple fish and some bread loaves. And Jesus would say, good, I can use that. Bring the food to me. And in his hands, it was multiplied to feed thousands of people. God can do a lot with a little. If we're willing to get started and to trust him and to trust that the little that we do have, he wants to use in your life. One of the stories from our ministry that has inspired us was the story of uh, a young girl in one of our previous churches named Kayla. And our church had an opportunity, we felt led by God to uh, give out money to the congregation. We gave $5 and we said, we want you just to seek God for what he wants you to do for the kingdom with $5. And for some of you, we said, maybe it is that you're just going to take the money and you're going to buy lunch. And God just wants to bless you and, and you are going to have the ability to buy lunch with the $5. Maybe for some of you, God is going to lay it on your heart that you're going to go out and you're going to find somebody who's hungry and you're going to buy them lunch for the day. Or whatever it is that God lays on your heart, we want you to do with the $5. Kayla decided that she was going to take her $5 and she was going to go to the dollar store. And she went to the dollar store and she found some poster board and she found some crayons and markers and different things. And she went home and she made signs with her, her money and her, her things that she had purchased and she attached them to the side of her wagon. And she started to go through her neighborhood and she went up to everybody in her neighborhood and said, I'm collecting food for the food pantry that my church has. And this little girl, she was a, a young teenager at the time, went and collected food and she filled her wagon. And much like the widow in this story, she didn't fill it once or twice or three times. But for those of us who were at the church office that day, we will never forget the day her and her family drove with a truck absolutely overflowing with non-perishables from this girl who said, I'm going to take $5 and entrust it to God and see what he does. I'm just going to allow him to work through me. God can do a lot with a little in your life, if you entrust it to him. The problem for many of us is, is that you have to be emptied in order to be filled. You have to offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. You have to offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need. Empty yourself of you and God can fill you up. The only stipulation that Elisha gave the widow was that the jars that she collected and that her family collected were empty jars. didn't matter what size they were, what color they were, or what they had previously been used for. It doesn't matter what size you are, what color you are, or what you have previously done in your life. God wants to use you as a part of his kingdom. And a part of his story. I love the illustration of how people in South America and Africa and Asia have devised a plan for catching monkeys. Some of you may have heard this story before and some of you maybe aren't familiar with it. But this is how natives in, in other continents of the world have devised a plan for catching monkeys. They will take a, a large gourd 
And they will drill a small hole in the top and empty out the contents of the gourd. And then they will fill it with rocks or sand so that it becomes heavier than a monkey. And the hole that they drilled is just big enough for a monkey to fit his hand inside. The bottom of that gourd, then, they will place some fruit or a nut or something that they know the monkey will smell and desire. And so the monkey will come along to that gourd and he will stick his hand inside and he will grab a hold of the fruit or whatever is placed in there. But the problem is, is as he's grabbed it, his hand has changed shape. And when it tries to pull its hand back out, it can no longer pull it out while grabbing the fruit. And the monkey will stay there, unwilling to let go of its prize. It will trade its freedom for something it could have easily found somewhere else. In our lives, so often we grab hold of things and refuse to let go. And we trade our freedom for what we are unwilling to be emptied of, what we are unwilling to let go of. We create traps for ourselves in our lives that we hold onto for dear life. Our past mistakes, our privilege of being right, our anger, our resentment, the material things that we own or that own us. We live with a spirit of unforgiveness or attachment or maybe a sin or addiction that we are in, and we refuse to let go. But the truth is, is that in order to experience the miracle that God wants to pour into our lives, we have to be emptied first. In order for God to fill us, we first need to be emptied. And sometimes the thing that God is asking us to do is just to let go of what we've been holding on to in order that he can provide in our life. And the really good news is that God knows the details of your situation and your need and what you're going through. The oil from that little jar filled every jug that the widow and her sons could gather. And at the moment that every jar was filled, the oil stopped flowing. God knew how to do the miracle to the exact measure that they needed for this widow to pay off all of the debts that her and her family owned and had incurred and then to live off of. Over the last few months, it's been amazing to watch God's provision here at Oak Ridge. We've come to you with a goal saying we have missions partners that are doing amazing works for God all over the globe. And our church has raised the funds that were necessary to fund our missions partners to continue to see God at work all around the world through what this church can partner with. We came to you uh, several months ago and we said, we have a need for the ministry of this church. We don't know how we are going to be able to raise $16,000 to cool our building, but we know that in Florida, it's not optional. We've got to figure this out. And God, through you and your generosity, has known the needs of this church and provided for us again. In your life, God knows the details of your need. He knows the exact details of your situation and he desires to pour into your life his power and his presence. It doesn't mean that God will always give you exactly what you want or exactly what you ask for. 
I'm guessing that when the widow sold the oil, she didn't then go out and buy the largest mansion in Israel and drive around a Corvette and eat steak every night for dinner. But God provided for her. He knew the details of her need. He knew how to allow her to stay where she started, hungry, dependent on him, trusting in him, and yet knowing that the good God that had carried her family to this point was going to carry her and her family into the future. God knows the details of your need. And he knows how to care for you. And he wants to expand your vision beyond just this life and its present stresses and situations and to see our lives as a part of his kingdom and its blessings. To know that this earth is not our home. We live in a fallen world which Jesus is redeeming beginning with your heart. And he wants to be present in your heart so that you can know him and be known by him. And he has a plan to make all things new, to redeem and to restore everything that was lost in the fall. Our real problem is not the situations of life that cause us pain. God is bigger than those, and he can help us to overcome them. But overcoming them does not mean that we don't feel any pain. Much like an army that overcomes another has great loss, but ultimately has a victory. Our real problem is not the situations we face. It's the sin that separates us from our God. It's our lack of knowing that he is there with us in everything. Our greatest joy is not getting what we want. It's getting him. And knowing that he is already there and already available. The widow in this story, she still lost her husband. She still had some difficulty, I'm guessing, in the days ahead. But she knew, God is my provider. God is present with me. Even when I walk through difficult and hard situations and hard seasons, I can know that God sees me and he's here and he will carry me into whatever it is that he has for me. When you feel overwhelmed, when you feel like you're lacking strength or financial resources or the relationships that you want, how do we continue to trust or know that God will be there? How do we have faith in God's ridiculous provision? You keep trusting. You use what you have. You stop waiting for what you want and you work with what God has already given you because God can do a lot with a little. You just have to be emptied in order to be filled. If you offer God what you have and trust him to give you what you need, he knows the details of your need and he will walk with you through the midst of what you're going through. And he will provide not only what you want, but what you truly need in himself, in his presence. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of this widow in the life of Elisha her example of faith and trust in you. God, in our lives, I think we all go through moments where we feel overwhelmed, where we feel empty and broken, where life is crashing down around us. 
God, I've got to imagine and appreciate that on this day that we call Mother's Day, there's probably a lot of moms who feel very overwhelmed with life and trying to take care of everything. God, I pray that you would bless your people, all of them this morning, with the reminder of who you are, a God who infinitely loves your people, who does not desire us to experience pain. And in the midst of our situation, you call us to have faith and trust in you, to let go of the things that we hold on to and cling to, to be emptied of ourselves, and to know that, God, you will fill us that you will provide and carry us, that this moment, that this situation, that this thing that is right in front of us that feels like it is crushing us in this moment is not the end of our story. But we can believe that God has another day. We can have faith and trust that God is not through with us yet and that he is gonna continue to use us and that we can see his hand of provision and power and grace and love. If only we are willing to see you more than our problems, to trust you, to let go and to be emptied and to use what we have already to see God work in mighty and miraculous ways. And so, so today, God, we give you the pain. We give you the difficulty and the stress and the anxiety. We give you the things that weigh us down and make us feel overwhelmed and we ask that you would take the burdens. We release them over to you. We empty ourselves. God, give us eyes to see what you have already given us and help us to entrust the small things that we have to you. And God, may we see your spirit in abundance filling our lives as those jars of that widow were filled with your goodness and your provision. And may we know that above anything that we could want in this life, that what we really need is you. And as you offer yourself to us, help us to move forward in faith and strength by your power and your hand of provision. In Jesus' name I pray. I want to uh, remind you that you have the opportunity to give in worship through uh, your tithes and offerings, again, as you exit or online at oakridgewc.com slash give. Uh, we want to invite you to join us next week, again, as we continue our series in Elisha. And we want to say once again, Happy Mother's Day to all of the women of our church. Uh, there is a little gift. If you go out into the Meet and Great Fellowship area, there's a table uh, with some signs, and we have a little gift for all of the women of our church whether you are a biological mother or not. The love, compassion, and leadership that you offer to our church is so meaningful. We love you, we appreciate you, and we want to say happy Mother's Day to you. Please accept a gift on our behalf. Go with God and have a great week. God bless.